Hey Toppers, did you know that you can support the podcast simply by shopping on Amazon? Yeah, it's pretty cool. I have a link on my website on the support the podcast page that if you click on it, you can shop on Amazon buying stuff you are already going to buy, and it doesn't cost you a penny more than you are already going to pay. The extra cool thing is, is that I often have extra offers there, like perhaps a 30-day free trial to Amazon Music or a free trial subscription to HBO. It's often changing what I have available on there, so you should check the support the podcast page often. The offers from Amazon won't cost you anything, but they'll always give a little something to the podcast. So, it's a free way for you to support the podcast and help me keep episodes coming out to you every Monday. So, again, check out the Support the Podcast page on turnofphrases.com and see if there's anything there that looks good to you. Because what's better than supporting a cool podcast for free by getting stuff you are already going to get? I can't think of much, except maybe the episode that's about to start. So with that, let's get on with it. Please listen carefully. Well, hello there, dear toppers, and welcome to episode 9 of the Turn of Phrases podcast. If you're a returning topper, then thank you for coming back to explore some etymology with me. And if this is your first foray into my little corner of the airwaves, then I want to offer you a double welcome to the show. For today's main topic, I'm going to be looking into the superstitious idiom of telling people to break a leg instead of wishing them luck. Then I have a request for the metaphorical moment, so I'll see if size matters when it comes to small potatoes. Sit back and relax as I break apart these phrases to see where they came from, how they've been used, and more. Most people associate broken legs with bad luck, but us theater folk see things a little differently, and so before a performance, if you were backstage and didn't know any better, you'd think everyone was wishing pain and the temporary inability to use one leg upon each other. Even though I haven't been a part of a play for close to a decade now, I still find it difficult to say the phrase, good luck, because it was so ingrained in me by those who were teaching me about all things theater to never utter that two-word phrase to someone else. And I'm not even a superstitious person. Maybe I'm a little stitious, but still. <laughs> okay, sorry, that was a really bad pun. But seriously, how is it that the bad luck sounding cry of break a leg came to be one of goodwill wishing? Well, just as the stage has seen many tales told upon it, this idiom has many possible origins, most of them impossible to prove, all of them fun to believe. Let's explore some of them to see what looks like the best possible beginning. One of the most common beliefs is that this saying came from the broken leg of John Wilkes Booth after his leap from the upper viewing box after shooting President Abraham Lincoln. In his attempt to flee, he made his poorly landed jump and broke his leg, and since he was an actor, this seems a fitting start for the phrase. While this was a monumental event in the history of America, I don't think it was the single catalyst to set its use in motion. Plus, as we'll see in some of these other possible origins, the idea for breaking a leg being a lucky phrase was likely already around. So although Booth might have liked to have an idiom come out of his historical event, 
I think you'll soon agree with me that he didn't get that extra bit of historical significance. Option two for this idiom's start comes from a much less painful concept and a slightly longer phrasing. At some point in theater history, likely around Shakespeare's era, the well-wisher would have been more likely to say, may you break your leg, instead of just break a leg. And they were actually referring to taking a bow or curtsy. It was basically a wish to the actor that the performance would go so well that the audience's applause would be so great that the actor would have to go out on stage to take a deep bow or curtsy, which requires bending one's knee, and is therefore a figurative break, not a literal one. In Elizabethan times, to break one's leg did mean to bow at the knee, so this is not a hard connection to make. The reason this can't be definitively proven to be the origin of this idiom is that in these times, the phrase break a leg could also be used to mean to give birth to an illegitimate child. Since this definition has absolutely nothing to do with theater, that makes this potential origin somewhat iffy, though it by no means takes it totally off the table. Speaking of not having anything to do with theater, that's a perfect segue into our next origin theory, because it doesn't have anything to do with theater either. But it has everything to do with the opposite bad luck means good luck aspect, so it is promising. This possible origin is probably the most superstitious one, and perhaps requires the most suspension of disbelief. It harkens back to when it was common for people to blame things they didn't understand on creatures they couldn't see. In this case, sprites. Sprites were troublemakers, and supposedly, if they heard you ask for something, they liked to try to make the opposite happen. They must love opposite day. Anyway, if you told someone to break a leg where a sprite could hear you, then something good would happen instead. So this psych-out attempt is supposedly where this phrase that sounds as if it's a wish of ill will came to be one of good luck. But since I've never seen a sprite except in a beverage container, let's look at another possible origin to see what other options we have. The next possibility comes from vaudeville and has to do with the fact that producers would typically overschedule performers for a show so there wasn't enough time for them all to perform. They would do this because they could pull bad acts off the stage before they finished. To save money, the producers wouldn't pay anyone who didn't perform on stage. In case you don't know this, the curtains at the edge of the stage are called legs, and yes, there's a reason I'm randomly telling you that. The performers would wish each other the good luck of getting paid by saying, break a leg. In effect, saying, they hoped their fellow performers made it on stage, breaking the visual plane of the curtain legs, which meant they were going to make bank that night. This one makes the most sense to me of all the theories so far because it is an actual well-wish, not an opposite-day type of thing, and there's no twisting of words involved. However, I still have one more theory I want to tell you about before I rest my case. The last possible origin I want to bring to your attention today is a combination from a custom from ancient Greek and Elizabethan times, and they both involve a type of stomping. The Greeks weren't that into applauding, they actually preferred to show their appreciation with their feet. They would stomp, and the theory goes that if they liked something enough, they'd stomp long and hard enough that they could potentially break a leg. 
In Elizabethan times, folks would stomp their chairs, which, side note here, seems much more exhausting than just applauding, but that's just my opinion. And like the Greeks, albeit much less painful, a leg could break, although in this case it would be a chair leg, if the stomping was exuberant enough. I could see a chair being stomped until the leg broke, but I don't think a person would actually stomp their leg until it broke, no matter how good the actor was. But I think the Greek version of this theory is likely just figurative. Now, there's still several other origin theories out there for this idiom, but these are the five that seem to be the most popular, and perhaps the most likely. No one can really prove or disprove any of them, and to be honest, I personally think the best explanation is a combination of the last two. But again, that's just my opinion. I think I've given you enough possible origins, though, and I now want to move on to some of the early uses of the idiom in print. Even for an idea as potentially old as the ancient Greek times, it doesn't seem to start appearing in print until the early 20th century, and it isn't even related to theater at that point. In The New Statesman, a British magazine, a man named Robert Wilson Lind wrote about how it was unlucky to wish people in horse racing good luck. He said you should tell them something insulting instead, such as, quote, may you break your leg, end quote. Even though this isn't about theater, he does go on to talk about how after people involved with horse racing, theater folks are the second most superstitious group of people. The next print reference I found was in the Evening State Journal from Nebraska. It said, quote, With all the break-a-leg dancing, there are many who still warm to graceful, soft-shoe stepping. End quote. This seems to be referring to a disdain for a new type of dancing, though, so we still aren't seeing a theater well-wishing usage here. Next, let's go to 1939 and look at a peculiar treasure written by Edna Ferber. She wrote, quote, and all the understudies sitting in the back row politely wishing the various principals would break a leg, end quote. Now, this is the total opposite from a well-wish because it implies that the understudies are all just waiting for a lead actor to get hurt so they can take over the role. Okay, old-timey people writing this idiom apparently had never been in theater. Obviously, this idiom is a tricky one because to break a leg has a literal meaning and the phrase is going to be used literally, figuratively, and idiomatically. One thing is for sure, though. I won't be wishing anyone good luck anytime soon. It'll still be break a leg for this girl, no matter where the phrase came from or how people use it in print. Now, let's move on to today's metaphorical moment. It's just a metaphor, dude. It's a metaphor. Curious metaphor. A metaphor. That's just a metaphor. As I mentioned in the opener, today's metaphor is small potatoes. I got this one from Megan over at the Oh No Lit Class podcast, which you should be listening to if you aren't, because it's awesome. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. So the definition of this metaphor is something small, insignificant, or a small quantity. The origin of this phrase is pretty easy to pin down in comparison to some of the other phrases we've looked at, but there's not a lot of information out there about why it became a popular phrase to use. As far as the where this phrase came from, it can be traced to the Irish potato famine of 1845 to 1849. Potatoes were the main food source in Ireland, and during the potato famine, they were for the most part, only able to harvest small potatoes because they wouldn't survive to grow any larger. 
The metaphor is sometimes, although I think this is more of an old-timey thing, expanded to small potatoes and a few in the hill. This was used by Rudyard Kipling in his story, The Head of the District, which was written around 1890. He wrote, quote, Man that is born of a woman is small potatoes and few in the hill, end quote. That's not the first time this metaphor showed up in print, but it's probably the earliest use by a famous writer. So what was the earliest use? What I could find was about 40 years earlier, from the Manhattan Township of Will County in Illinois. I don't know what this was written in, I could only find it described as a comment about a man, but here's what it said, quote, A man named Borders settled here in 1849. He was from Ohio and did not remain long in the settlement. What became of him no one knows or seems to care, as he was, to use a southern phrase, small potatoes, end quote. In 1879, Charles Dudley Warner, an American essayist and novelist, wrote, quote, What small potatoes we all are, compared with what we might be, end quote. So, overall, this may be a small saying, but it has been around a long time. Well then, toppers, that's all for this week's metaphorical moment, so that's going to do it for episode 9. Thank you for joining me today to turn some phrases. As always, I hope you had fun listening and learned something along the way. Don't forget to go to at Turn of Phrases on Twitter to connect to me and fellow language lovers. You can also send me topic suggestions through the website or via email, which is brisky at turnofphrases.com. My show notes have all my other social media, contact information, and sponsor information. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing or leaving a review. A five-star rating and a quick review are really the best thing you can do to help me out, and it doesn't take long to do it all. Also, it would help me and the show a ton if you could please tell someone who you think would enjoy the show to help spread the word. Thank you again for listening to the Turn of Phrases podcast, researched, written, produced, and hosted by me, Brisky. Until next time, toppers, break a leg. Hey, toppers, don't forget that if you hop on over to audibletrial.com forward slash turn of phrases, you can get a free audiobook download and 30 days free trial on Audible. They have over 180,000 titles to choose from that you can download to your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Not only will you get that free book and free month on Audible, but you'll be helping to support the podcast. And did I mention it's free? So again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash turn of phrases for a 30-day free trial and a free audiobook download. Until next time, toppers. Bye-bye.